Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remixed, Season 4, Episode 3, Homerooms. As always, I'm joined by one, Robert Sapp. How you doing, Mr. Sapp? Doing well, doing well. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. <laughs> yes, happy Monday, uh, indeed. Um, this episode uh, was, of course, the third episode of Season 4. It was directed by one Seif Man. He's done a few Wire episodes over the course of the duration of the series. It ranked 35th all-time by Vulture. And, of course, you had the epigraph. I love the first day of school, man. Everybody all friendly and shit. By one naming Bryce. Um, themes, I had Everybody Wants Michael and class in session as there was there was some teaching going on inside as well as outside the classroom we will certainly flush that out uh later on throughout the course of the episode and in uh, throughout the course of the episode and uh at the end of and late and through the um course of the podcast opening scene omar is back as he is introduced into introduced in his normal spot which is normally a third episode i, I know Season three, they introduced him in the second episode. But normally, over the course of the history of the series, Omar has been has been introduced episode three of uh, of most seasons. So we get back to um, things get back to normal from that standpoint. Omar, of course, has a uh, a new boyfriend, Ronaldo, and apparently Ronaldo has eaten all has been, uh, finished a bowl of Cheerios without. You know, telling Omar about it. So Omar has to get his, excuse me, his Honey Nut Cheerios is a distinction. That's key. His Honey Nut Cheerios. So Omar heads to the store, no gun because no, because his gun, the gun was too big to fit in, in, fit in his silk pajamas. So Omar leaves the house with no gun and some silk pajamas, but it doesn't matter because he's Omar. As he walks through the streets, kids scatter. He goes in the store, ends up with gets a box of cereal, not the honey nut that he wanted, and some cigarettes. And as he's returning from um, the store, uh, he decides to smoke a cigarette on a stoop, and just out of nowhere, a bag of uh, drugs is dropped at his uh, at his feet. He comes back to the house with Renato, who's up. You know, enjoying reading a book and enjoying a glass of orange juice. And Omar is, uh, you know, flustered by the fact, you know, that uh, says, you know, I don't want this. And Renato says, you know, gives him a look as if you don't. So Omar says, and this was a very important line. Uh, How do you expect to run with the wolves come night when you spend all when you spend all day sporting with the puppies? Uh, so um, let you know, just to let you know about who Omar is. And but even before that line, he says it's not about who it's not about, you know, it's, it's about who you're taking it from. Uh, so, you know, Omar wants a challenge and getting somebody giving him free money, excuse me, free drugs is not a challenge. Uh, great opening scene, a perfect way to introduce the re excuse me, to reintroduce one Omar Little back into a, a, a new season. Uh, what were your thoughts on this opening scene? 
Yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, this scene is nearly impossible for me to talk about without uh, really deep diving into season five. And so um, I will return to the scene in season five. Um, other than that, I would say, you know, it's, it's, this is this is an amazing scene. It is, it is, it is legendary for a reason. Yeah, yeah. I, um, it, and again, we'll certainly be looking forward to that connection when we get to see. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think I think I know where, where you're going with that. Um, there isn't a thing. It just is. They set they set those two scenes up to specifically look alike. It, there's no. Yeah, it just it 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 is the same exact thing. Gotcha, gotcha. So, anyways, let me stop. Yep, see. Uh, so I'll, be, to, I'll be all off and deep in that. We go to um, Colvin and, De- and the Deacon. Um, Colvin is enjoying, you know, a nice breakfast outdoors, which is, you know, his, 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 his uh, you know, as we will come to come to uh, come to learn, is, is is one of his go-to's. So the Deacon Colvin at this point is a security guard. Excuse me, a director of a security. Uh, security firm at a hotel, $52,000, take-home car, good benefits. So, you know, he's he's enjoying his life post-Hamsterdam. Uh, says that it's not, it wasn't as good as the Hopkins uh, gig, but it will do. So the deacon comes up, tries to sell him on a on a grant that the university, tells him about a grant that the university has gotten on, on student, on uh, on violent offenders and researching about violent offenders, Colvin at this point says he has no interest in it. He, you know, has no interest in it as far as the academics. These guys who are academics who have, who seemingly have good intentions. He says he has, he's done that. You know, went down that road before with the downtown people, with the downtown, uh, downtown people, and you know, in terms of the politics and what have you. Uh, so the deacon says, you know, I tried. And uh, at this point, Colvin is comfortable in terms of just being a, making $52,000 a year and having a nice take-home car. Um, nice. And it was also the re- re- not only re-induction, this was also the first episode we saw Colvin this season. So we see Omar and Colvin uh, come back in the uh, same episode uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Um, I, uh, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely set up, and um, I think like it is the the beginning part of I know I was gonna say I mean it's the beginning part of um, Colvin's next journey, right? Like we're getting very we're getting an introduction to it. Yes. Yes. So we see. Um, we go to Bodie, Michael. We go to Bodie and Michael. At this point, Michael is working for him. Uh, this is, again, this is a, the day before school has started. Michael, of course, trying to earn some money for some school clothes, um, and he's ta- he has taken temporary. He has taken name and spot uh, for that corner. As um, so, we see them. We see uh, Snoop, Snoop, Chris, and Marlo pull up. Now the corner. In contrast to past episodes, the corner now has picked up. It's busy. It's getting busy. 
uh, is, is getting it's gotten busy and you see the benefits of of the uh, prop Joe product start to uh, pay dividends for that for this particular corner. He has uh, Bodie has Michael working for him temporary at least. And Mar Marlo, of course, being Marlo, notices this and says that, uh, you know, goes to Bodie and basically gives him a, you know, tells him like, hey, this corner looks right. This corner looks right for us. So you can either take our package or just flat out or just step off. He makes his conversation as per Marlo brief. Uh, Chris tells him, you know, Chris mumbles a word. We didn't, we don't know what Chris said to him, but Chris gives him, uh, uh, says something to him as Snoop stares him down as Bodie finds out, you know, just what life is like as basically as middle management and independent with no, with no support um, is like. And Marlo, of course, at the end of the scene, take note, takes, um, takes noticing of, uh, of Michael and says he wants to know, tells Chris he wants to know more about, uh, about Michael. Um, what were your thoughts on, on this scene? Big Paul's on a little pop. Big Paul. Yes. That's yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it is, it is, it is setting, is setting a lot of stages. And so, um, in episode three, it's just kind of like a continuation of giving us all of the characters that we're going to see this year, giving us like a a status update on their on their where they're at in their journeys at this particular time. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a, it was a lot of that in this episode. Um, yeah, this was a major setup scene because it, it, you have Marlo. Um, Bodie, in terms of where he's at, and also the big one to me is Michael. So it was a that this scene right here was definitely a lot to definitely something to, to kind of like keep in mind in regards to how this uh the direction of how this season is going to go. This was a a major scene from that stand from that standpoint, um, in terms of setup, I should say. Um, so we get to Royce and Burrell along with uh. Voices uh, cabinet, you know, you have Demper, you have his chief of staff, also Delegate Watkins is it was it was in the room as well. And they're discussing that witness murder, the witness murder. Now, Carcetti has closed in on Royce, within, he's within eight points. So Royce, you know, uh, Carcetti now has Royce's attention. So Royce puts in his version of the full court press. And says, "Hey, anybody that's waffling in regards to donations, they got they're gonna they're gonna have to make a choice between they're gonna make a choice, um, you know, they're gonna make a choice between him or him or him or Arcetti. They they can't no more stand in the middle." He says, "You know, told Carcetti, told Carcetti, uh cards," um, and he also tells Depper. Uh, to slow it down, in, to slow it down uh, in regards to in, in regards to uh, the campaign. Demper, of course, says, you know, Bond is is getting close to me. He says, well, it doesn't matter if I drop you from the ticket. Uh, so Royce, you know, is a little bit nervous for the first time and sees Carcetti sees Carcetti as a as a legit threat uh, with with some of these moves that he was going to make. 
Now, um, as his as his staff is walking out, or the majority of it, he is left with Delegate Watkins. <laughs> Delegate Watkins says flat out, hey, that he basically agrees with Carcetti from the witness angle, because if you remember, Royce did not, you know, want to throw funds at the uh at the wit at, at the uh, witness at the uh, money for for witness protection, and Carcetti uh, um, and Watkins says, "Hey, you know, it wouldn't have been that much money. You know, it, the money you could we could afford you could afford it uh, to throw some uh, money towards that." And really, Royce's comeback on that was weak. Um, in, 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 in returns to weight in, in comparisons to what Watkins says. Doug and Watkins said Watkins made perfect sense in terms of what he was discussing. And so it really start to, you start to see the beginnings of, of cracks, some cracks in, in, in Royce. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple of things. Like, we, we, like at this point in the Wire story, and they're telling the story, um, at this point in the Wire story, um, we're way past any ideas of right and wrong like any type of deal like with that. And so um, what they were doing with this scene was kind of like showing you the ins and outs of the different moves um, of how politics was played in this particular city at this particular time um, in, in that city um, and like all the different moves in which, in which things are made in order to uh, influence um, the the outcome as much as as much as possible. Um, put in its simplistic terms, Voice wants to remain mayor. Parkheady wants to be the new mayor, and each of them, there's only one only one of them can get it, and they will do anything to attain it or prevent the other one from attaining it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No two ways about it. Um... Yeah, oh, I know what you're gonna say. I know the other thing I was gonna say is like to to uh to put a fine point on the like at this point in the show, like where in terms of like our characters and where they're where they're at. Um the office did a the office, the wire did an episode. Um they did a uh I think the title, it was called Moral Midget Midgetry. Right. Everybody, I mean it's a little bit thing, but that was the title of the the thing. And so um and so uh, I use that as an example to say that uh, at this point in time, every every character is morally compromised, and the more higher up, however you want to define that within the show, the more morally compromised you have to be. Absolutely, no, no question about it. Um, so we get to Bodie and Michael. Uh, Bodie is impressed. I would so Michael. Michael um, attempts to sell was selling to a couple of crackheads. They tried to put, they tried to, you know, run not run some. They tried to run some game on him. He shut. He completely completely shuts it down. Uh, it was real firm with him. And and Michael Bodie, of course, is impressed by this. Probably reminded him of a, a younger version of himself. And he tries to tries to permanently recruit Michael to uh you know work some more shifts um tries to talk michael out of going to school and uh michael says of course you know michael just said look i was just trying to earn some money money until school started 
school is going to start the following day. So Michael kind of, Michael ends up walking away, um, ends up walking away um, and not taking uh, Bodie's offer to be, you know, basically, you know, not full time to uh, work more hours on the corner. Um, what were your thoughts on this? <laughs> um, here, here's what I'll say. I, there, there are certain times where I am listening to you and I understand exactly how you're presenting it, but the words coming out of your mouth are crazy because the situation is crazy. You're just describing the scene. That's all you're doing is describing the scene. And it's just like, all right, let's pull, let's pull the layers back on this. This is what, this is what just happened. This is what just happened. A seventh grade student, the seventh grade, seventh grade A student went to what is Bodie? 16, 17, you know, representing the show. Let's, let's say that. So, uh, uh, older teenager. And right. the advice that the older teenager gave him was fuck that school shit. <laughs> uh, excuse my language. F that school stuff because, um, it's better to sell drugs because what are you going to do? What are you trying to do? Right. What are you trying to do with your life? That's right. what we're describing here. That's what the wire's describing here. It's sick. It's, it's, it's totally backwards and it's jacked up. And there's another thing I wanted to go back to you. We, you were talking about Omar didn't want the drugs. The, the over, yes, that's accurate. Also, it came out of a row house that he was standing by smoking a cigarette. And so um, yes. the, the reason why I brought up the moral aspect of it is that every, if just, I implore people to just take a step back. Do not just watch this season or this show. And I'll keep saying that, you know, I'll beat this drunk. Do not watch this show. And especially not this season as I'm just going to watch the next thing that happens because you missed the entire point of this season this is not about the next thing that happens this is about the images and the words that are being presented on this screen as normal and the show is saying to you and telling you this is absolutely not normal what we are witnessing is a city dying that's what they were trying to cry out and say that nothing that you described with omar is literally drug dealers in a vacant house and from what we've seen at this point in time in this city, in this show, is that the bacon houses represent three things. I mean, it re overarching represents poverty and death and decay, but then it represents three things tangibly. It represents um, dead bodies inside. It represents uh, people who have nowhere else to go residing, or it represents where drug dealers go. And the row houses are the majority of the houses we see in this season. And the majority around where our kids, where our kids, where the kids hang, and where the kids are and where they um, are maneuvering through. So that's point number one, bringing it all the way back to this point in this thing is this scene right here is the worst scene that could possibly be there. Michael is selling drugs to pay for school clothes. Right. Part-time selling drugs. Part yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Think about that. No, no, no. Think about it. Like, think about what, what that means and what the show is trying to say. Right. And so and so and then another character we're familiar with, Bodie, is literally trying to put him on the path that he's on now, which yeah. we all know where that ends. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so that's what I'm saying. That's the, the like it's it's 
You know, it shows so much more. And so like, I can't even use the, the setup word that I use in the way that I used to use it because they're telling a narrative, a story. And yeah, there's set up components to that, but it is a long form story that we are watching now. Um, and they are challenging us to listen to the words, parse out all the words, listen to the images, parse out all the images. Really is a visual novel. Well, I'm done. It sounds no, yeah. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you went on that tangent, um, because you're completely yeah, thousand percent right. If you look at the row houses, if you, I mean, Omar lives in a row house. Omar's yes. he came out of a row house. Um, came out, ripped rip that fine off his house. Yes, <laughs> ripped that. Yeah, that, yeah, ripped that. Uh-huh. Out. He doesn't have any political affiliation. Yeah, none, none whatsoever. None. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yes, he takes that sign off his house. But you see that, and then, then you know, you get to we get to the, you know, we were talking about the Bodie scene. Bodie, and I say why the reason why I said I had one of my themes of everybody wants Michael. Because <laughs> we are we saw, you know, we saw, you know, Bodie, and we saw, you know, we see Marlo. This kid doesn't have a shot. He's getting he's getting recruited. He's getting recruited by a drug kingpin and by a a, a career lifer, a drug middleman. So it's like, you know, but like what shot? Like what chance did this kid have in life if those are the people that are giving you probably the most attention at the age of what fourteen? And then to go deeper than that. Um, what does it say? Those are the only people. I mean, we, we will find out, but yeah, those are the only people yeah, who can actually. We, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not saying that, but um, those are the people. But but honestly, we should like honestly. If, you know what? Let me stop. Um, this show dessert This season deserves to be talked about as a whole because um, it, it it it's that it's that much. It's that much in terms of like connecting the pieces, and so and like what and so. On a, uh, going deeper than that, what? So what is that trying to say, right? Like what? What life factors need to go in to Michael? The only two people he can go to or who are offering advice are Marlo and Bodie, right? Like that's what the show is. That's the heart of the season. Why are our? Why our? I keep doing this. Why? Why are the kids in the position they're in? None of these tracks, I'm just going to have to say this because F that, this is too important. None of these tracks that any of these children, any of our characters in any in of this, maybe outside of police, whatever, we'll, we'll, but none of these are good. Like the end is bad for everything. The ending is bad. None of these are going, none of this is good ending. So the show was asking you to examine. We know what the ending is going to be. The reason we know what the ending is going to be is we never watched The Wire day in our lives. We can look at our windows and tell what the ending is going to be. Right? So if we know that's the end, how did we get here as a society? And how did, we, how did, how did the kids get here as characters, as individuals? How did that happen? Yeah, and and I and to kind of put a bow on this Bodie and Michael scene. Um, during that course of the conversation with Bodie and Michael, Bodie says, "Under my wing, you're gonna do nothing but rise." Keep keep in mind, Bodie is not a kingpin. 
He's not, you know, in the position of like say Slim Charles is right now. Not a lieutenant. He is a he is middle management. He's a he's a middle management and he's in a lower position than he even was with the Barksdale. At least the Barksdale, he at least he was with an organization. He's a middle management independent. He's an independent on the corner. So, you know, we will definitely see more of Bo- one Bodie and also uh Michael Lee uh through the course of the season. Um, and their and their journeys. Um, so Royce, again, we mentioned we talked about this earlier. Royce, uh, you see, Car- you know, Royce's uh, full court press taking taking effect. So uh, you have drilling outside Carcetti's, uh headquarters. You have uh, cars, you know, getting towed, and his campaign committee is impressed because they know they recognize that Royce, even his campaign manager says, you must have really, or his st- strategist, I should say. Terry DiGasquino says, you, you really must have pissed him off. And Carcetti acknowledges, you know, I must have. So they, uh, we mentioned this earlier, they have the full attention of one uh, Clarence Royce. Um, we get to Kima, Omar, and Andre. Andre, of course, was the guy who was on the phone from the previous episode, was on the phone with Monk, the conversation that, that Omar, not Omar, that Marlo ended up taking over. So we find we meet him in this, in this, in this episode. So he has a store. Kima and Omar are both, you know, casing the store for watching the store for different reasons. Uh, of course, uh, Omar is casing it, um, and Omar, both of them, notice the re-up. Omar sees the re-up, and then Omar also notices Kima, and says, you know, says he recognizes uh, Kima, of course, from you know from way back when, uh, from season one. And uh, says, you know, I kind of like her as long as she stays out of my way. I don't think, I don't take, I didn't take that as to say, think that Omar would actually kill a cop, but, you know. Um, and then you see Kima go inside, goes inside the store and, and is able to recognize that this is a drug depot. Uh, she's looking around, you know, she notices the camera, notices, you know, low inventory. And then as she leaves, Omar says, more, says, more patience. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Uh, yeah, it's a really, really good scene. Really, really in, enjoyed it. Um, it's, I mean, like it, it's, it's, of course, it's, it's, it's setting up for something else, but um, it also is elaborating on how good of an eye both of these characters have, yes. both Kima and Omar. The difference being, Kima has people she needs to report to. Omar does not, so he can stay there all day if he wants to. She cannot. No. Yeah. Yeah. He, but anyway, they both have a great eye. No. Yeah. I, no. Absolutely. Um, so we get to Kima and Lester. Kima tells uh, Lester, of course, about the uh, about the about the store, about Andre's store, and how she how she thinks that she made the re up. Um, and uh, you know, she kind of she kind of runs uh, through through that. So you saw you see those these two uh, speak, discussing the case, uh, discussing that. Uh, well, it quick it was a quick scene, but what are your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, set up. So we get to uh, Rawls and Marimo. So now Marimo, Lieutenant Marimo has been. Uh, he's going to be the new head of the. Uh, the major crimes unit. 
the our guy with the beach house, he's out. And this scene, you know, this scene was this scene, yeah, Rawls is such an asshole. <laughs> so the guy comes in, uh, I forgot the dude's name, the, the, the lieutenant who the, the dude who's the, the, the lieutenant that was started off the season, but he comes in and immediately Rawls gets right to the point and says, Hey, you know, you've been reassigned, you did some great work there. And the guy says, uh, did I did I do something? And then Ross says, can you brief Marimo? Uh, you know, can you brief him quickly? And says, and then as the guy's walking, he gives him this shitty assignment. Because I think he got he got reassigned to like telephone duty, some some just some shitty assignment. So then as the guy is walking out, Ross asks him about the beach house. And before he had Ross didn't give a shit about the beach house. He just was fucking up at this point. So before the dude can even respond, says great, and basically, you know, basically sends him out, sends him, sends him uh, amongst along his way, um, sends him out. So now the uh, major crimes unit has, uh, you know, you have Daniels and Freeman's guy is out, and Raw's guy is in. Uh, what are your thoughts on this scene? Um. Well, anyway, ah. Uh... Freeman said that Freeman did the exact same thing to Homeboy as well, so everybody disrespects him. Yeah, yeah, no, um, that's, no, that's, that's yeah, not. yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just, nah, I'm just <laughs> you're right. Everybody just disrespects him. Um, but uh, but he'll have a beach house by the end of this, in this thing, so he gets the last laugh. Um, so uh, yeah, this this is set up, uh, and um, it's setting up the the new edition. It's, it's setting up what happens with major crime. Yes, yes, that's the big part. That's the big piece of it. Yeah. Uh, from that standpoint, you know, the, the new look that major crimes will take on. Um, McNulty, Bunk, and Beatty. So we come to find that, of course, we know that McNulty is with Beatty. Uh, we see our kids. Bunk comes in with a bottle of wine. And Bunk comes over to see that we, we see now a domesticated Jimmy McNulty. And, um, you know, Bunk. Again, came over with the, with the wine. We see McNulty seemingly getting along with the kids. See, he's smiling. He's happy. Everything is, you know, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's in a seemingly a great place at this point. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is this is giving us a look where our guy McNulty's at in his personal life. So we go to. Um, We get to Slim and Bodie. So Bodie complains to, to Slim Charles, Slim Charles, that is. Uh, Bodie complains to Slim Charles about Marlo taking over the corner. Um, Marlo, not Marlo, Slim has a great line in this scene. He says, Bodie says, if this was the old days, and Slim says, that's the thing about the old days, they the old days. And he's and then he tries to give him some more advice and Bodie walks away. Um what were your thoughts on, on this quick scene? Yeah, Slim Charles says, um, if you want if you want my opinion, and Bodie says, No, I don't. I don't want your opinion. Because yeah. what will your opinion do? Right? Like if you just told me the old days are the old days, so but essentially I'm out here, uh, Bodie, he's out there on his own. 
And so if he's out there on his own, he's going to move as he moves because um, there's no reason to, to have these conversations. Um, so uh, that, I mean, like this, this, this is a dynamic scene between these two. Um, and so um, it's, it's, it's very, very cool to see um, some of like the characters we don't really get to hear a lot from have conversations with each other. I realized that as I was watching this scene, I was like, huh, that doesn't get to happen a lot. Um, so that was, that was really cool. Um, of course, all, this, all of this is, is setting up some major stuff, but um, you, they got to go through the character beats kind of first. And so the big part of this is that Bodie's on his own. That's, yeah. that's the takeaway. So here's the thing I got from the scene. And, and I'm like, so the Slim Charles character Really, I, I want the audience to really pay attention. If you haven't, if you if if you haven't seen the season, or you if you are be watching it like us, really pay attention to how the Slim Charles character move, moves, and really, really, really pay attention to what he says. If he, he, he his, there's no wasted motion with with his character, which which with most characters on on this show. But it really, I, 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 I'm very fascinated by the Slim Charles character. So the contrast in these two characters is this. They're both from the Barksdale organization, as we all know. Slim Charles has found steady footing. He's found, found steady footing. He is completely comfortable at where he's at within, you know, being in this new world order uh, with, with Prop Joe and, you know, with Prop Joe. Bodhi is not. It's just that simple. So I, I found that... I found when these two two have scenes and that dynamic that, that jumped out to me. Those that fact jumped out to me when when this scene was happening. So we okay. To um, nope, pause right there. I got to say something. All right, and this is this is how I break this down. All right, so um, all right, so all right, um. <laughs> there is there's a word that's out there that's called grooming and it's applied in a variety of different different aspects and i won't i won't go into i won't go into go into details um but essentially older person grooming younger person for their needs it's never in a positive context and it's not in a positive context here and then i'll leave it at that I mean, I, it's not, it's not okay. It's just not okay. Like you can call it mentorship. You can call it anything like that. Well, and I, what, what I'm doing I, is I, I'm I, arguing. I no, no, no. I, you just put words. In no, 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 no. Sorry. I'm not even responding to you. I'm, I'm just saying the, um, in terms of what the show is trying to characterize, um, in ter- in terms of the characters, um, again, it's it's the it's the moral complexity of this. Um, yes, there there are there are very com- there are be- there are different factors in all of this, and absolutely. But at the end of the day, this is somebody who older and more experienced trying to get another person younger and less experienced however you want to define that to do something that is beneficial for them okay i got you 
And so just pay attention that there's a lot of that that's going on in, in the show. And so just, just another thing to pay attention to. Well, you know, that was one of our, what, what was one of our things? Class in session. There was, some, yep. there, was some yep. class, there was some teaching and some schooling going on, like I said, outside, definitely outside the classroom. So that, that no. Yeah. So. That, I use the word grooming, which is a little bit different than teaching. Yeah. So I'll let that. I'll let that. I'll let that okay. be. I'll let that be out there. I'm not gonna bang that drum too too hard, but it is something the show wants you to pay attention to. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So we go to the co-op meeting. So you had a co-op. I.e. Wait, really quickly. I.e. Sorry. I.e. What um, what we're seeing with uh, Cuddy, right way for the most part, and there'll be mistakes in that, but right way he's trying the right way the rest of these brothers and how their interaction not so much the right way that's what i'm trying to say gotcha. yes using it using a character and, example and we're, yes yeah yeah so we go to the co-op meeting so the co-op is complaining about how marlo is running off independence like like bodie but He's only taking a, a small bit of property of territory yeah, as, a, as, a, as a comparisons to New Yorkers who have come down and taken over, as one of the co-op members said, or, or like Walmart and taken over. I love that line. Uh, I it love is a great line. line. It is. It's so good. I love it. Every single time I hear it, it makes me laugh. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. They're like uh, Walmart. So they, they oh, feel yeah. like. So they get they reach the conclusion that they want bunk want not bunk excuse me want Marlo to come in on come in with them to go up against New York. Uh, they recognize his skill set. Slim Charles, you know, Slim Charles identifies how Mar what Marlo is doing as far as with the vacants and, and what have you. And um, Prop Joe says, "Hey, I think it's another time. I think it's about time we take another shot, another shot at the boy as far as having him join the co-op." And Slim Charles kind of, you know, warns Prop Joe says, I hope you got more to say than uh, Stringer did because up until this point, Marlo hasn't been trying to hear hear from anybody um, or ha hasn't had an ear, doesn't have it, hasn't had an ear for anyone, uh, to paraphrase. Um, what were your thoughts on, on this particular scene? Yeah, the reason why I love the Walmart line so much and it's like, I hear you in a lot. Of, so really, I love the Walmart line so much is because it's doing an accurate comparison of big business to the drug game. Right. Like, and so like that, that is funny to me. And, and at the, at the, I mean, inaccurate as all hell. Um, and then also um, for its time, not done all the time. Let's just say that Matt, since the wire, people make observations like that all the time. Not so much before the wire or at the time of the wire. That's that's what I'll say. That's what I'll say to that. And so then, like I hear you, and then what I was gonna say is I hear you real when you when you make comments about Bodie's character of him being middle management. And I understand and I get that. What I know that the show is asking, especially like in this Walmart line, is why is it why isn't that how it's characterized in the media? Like the season five will be all about that. But why isn't that how it's characterized, right? Like we look at big business and we go, oh, so everybody's so smart. Da, 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 da. And then all of these guys are just all the project, whatever, and everything the cops 
throw at them and have thrown at them in, in prior seasons in terms of who they think they are and what they believe their intellectual ability to be. And so um, it's, it's the duality of it. In one way, it's presented as this, but everybody talks about it in a much more um, hushed, disgusting, decrepit way about, about uh, what it is that's going on in the streets and versus that. So that's, that's that part. Now, what they're tangibly talking about in the scene is, is, um, is, is kind of like the reality of the, the, the game that is being, being presented at that time in the city in general. But anybody of us that grew up in the Northeast and are not from New York, knows how New York um, people from New York present themselves and feel about themselves. Um, not to bro- paint a broad brush, um, but they're very confident. And they're very confident in whatever they're doing is better than what, what you're doing. And it doesn't matter if you are um, already involved in something, if they feel like what they're involved in is better then they are going to make the moves to make sure that what they're involved in takes precedent. Um, And so that's on a macro level. I think they're making a a fun commentary, just taking jabs at New York, just because it's fun to take jabs at New York. Um, But also, um, you know, yeah, yeah. As big as people think they are in their individual ponds, um, there's always somebody a lot bigger. And of course, the the look, the kind of like the thought process around the Walmart line is that, um, especially at the time, that time period, we've seen it play out to to almost its finale in 2020. But Walmart was huge conglomerate, and all the mom and pop stores were going to be eaten up. Whether that mom and pop store was uh, 200 people or the mom and pop store was five people right? Walmart was coming for everybody's next. So what they're saying here is that New York doesn't care. Doesn't care from the east side, west side, what, uh, if you took down Avon's Barks, it doesn't care. Any of that. Any of that. They're coming in to take over everything in one foul swoop because they're New York and they're that big and have that much behind them. It doesn't matter what Baltimore has unless and then they, they, they make the suggestion. Yeah, the line, the, I mean, it doesn't work without, I, I don't think that line works. The Walmart line doesn't work without saying, without mentioning New York. I think the New York, I think it was perfectly. No, exactly. New York's like Walmart. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. They're using to describe New York, which makes it even more hilarious. It's just all hilarious. It's a great line. No, no, it's definitely, that was definitely a, a classic line. Um, and certainly, a, and also this is a huge, huge, set up as well and foreshadowing as well in terms of uh what's going to transpire uh late soon later in this season um so we get back to bulk mcnulty and bd they are discussing how quiet the western is um in regards to the no in regards to bodies um you know bulk says you know he knows who a shooter is but can't find him and, uh, you know, McNulty says, you know, he'll pop up. So then uh, you have McNulty and Bunk. Bunk and McNulty, uh, reluctantly, McNulty goes for a drink uh, with uh, Bunk. Uh, quick scene, but what were your thoughts on this scene? Yep, yep. 
Uh, I mean, it's just it's just establishing the new character of McNulty. Um, yep, set up, but setting up the new character McNulty, new character motivation McNulty. Yes. So new character actions. We go to uh, Mr. Colvin, Bernie Colvin. So Colvin was working. He's a director of hotel security at a, at this this nice hotel, and he sees that a woman. A, they, they, they're inside a room where a woman has been beaten up by, uh, she was a prostitute, has been beaten up by her John. But the John happens to be a very, you know, connected, uh, connected person who has frequent, frequent that hotel and very important, who is very important to that hotel as far as the business that he provides. So immediately, Colvin, you know, goes back into police mode and and he starts interviewing the girl. Uh, he basically is able to see to to decide to to decipher and, and to, to decipher what happened and how it went how it how it went down. And he receives he gets some handcuffs from another uh, security guy that was there, and puts the dude in cuffs. Uh, and then one of the guys says, you know, says I'm taking you. He says I'm taking you in the wagon. And the guy, you know, I'm assuming the guy that one of the other guys that was his supervisor says, hey, you, you work for us. You're not a police officer. And in that moment, the in that moment, Colvin, the, the look on Colvin's face in that moment was priceless. It was it was just uh, the guy who plays Colvin. Uh, what is his name? I forgot his name. Robert Wisdom just. You, you can't have a better like you, you can't act better than what Robert Wisdom did in that in this scene or in that moment per se when he when that reality of I'm not a cop and 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 this is probably not for me uh, very I, I I love this scene where, you know I know it was kind of it was from, you know don't like to see a woman get beat up but from that standpoint in terms of that but um, I love this scene and in, in, in terms of Robert Wisdom and his performance. This particular scene. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yes, this is this is setting up um, where our character is going. Is setting up the motivation for why he does what he does in the future. So uh, we go to Bulk and McAnulty. Um, so there, you know. They're drinking by their usual spot, by on the train tracks, um, and uh, you know McNulty's not drinking heavy as is per this is the new McNulty, and Bunk basically calls him out for uh, or questions or questions this new Jimmy McNulty and uses this analogy about a, you know uses this fish analogy, basically trying basically saying to McNulty you're trying. You're painting yourself as something that you really that you really are not, uh, and then McNulty come back. You know, McNulty retorts, "Well, maybe I am this. Well, maybe it, you know, maybe I am this this new person." And then Bunk, you know, jokingly says, "You know, that was deep, but I I don't even though I don't buy in this scene that fact. I don't buy. I I I think Bunk is not buying this 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 new change, Jimmy McNulty. That's how that's how I read it. Well, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's, I hear you. It's, it's, of course, complicated. Uh, 
So I really, really like this scene for that. There, I mean, like to un to unpeel this scene is a lot, and you have to read a lot into it. Um, but here's what I'll say: I enjoy the scene because it gave an insight to their relationship, which wasn't there, which we hadn't seen prior to this. Um, but I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah, which we hadn't seen prior to this, which is um, them put kind of like pushing back on each other, but on very real and serious topics. Um, yeah, I like this scene for just like showing how male relationships work, basically. So we go to the first day of school. We have Brandy, Michael, Michael's uh, little brother, Bug, who this is his first, you know, he gets introduced in this episode, um, and Duquan. They go over Naaman's house. Uh, Naaman's mom, of course, does not let Duquan in. Um, and then name as they when they enter Naaman's house, Naaman shows them pictures of tattoo pictures of tattoos that he might get. Um, one of the, the, the images came from uh from, from somebody in jail that uh that Weebe you know that Weebe knew. And of course they you know use your teenage stuff. They start joking about about you know about he says they were Chinese signs and. He says, you know, when he says they mean one of them at heart, and then Michael started joking him, says, you know, this could mean pussy and and, and doing it, you know, normal teenage razzing, you know, when it comes to some stuff like that. But the big part of this to me was the fact that uh, Duquan couldn't get in the house and, again, is considered to be in just an outcast Uh in this particular scene, um, what were your thoughts in this? Uh, uh, what were your thoughts of, the, of this scene? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's great, great scene, and I I like it because a it kind of like is another just kind of like letting them show show that they're they're they are in fact just kids. Like like don't put anything else on them. They're just kids. That's one. Number two, I like the scene because um, because uh, it gives a little bit of character beat to every character adds a little bit more like you like like you so well pointed out duquan's not led into the house michael's in there always pushing back on naaman naaman's in there flossing randy is you know looking for the next hustle um but i like that there was like character beats for every single one of them inside that one scene so we go to uh marimo's introduction to the detail um he says hey i respect this detail and you know the avon barksdale you know that was a 14 bus 14 point 14 point bus whatever uh but we're going to do better and with 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 great supervision and you know they know what time it is kima and less in particular know what time it is so they basically they he asked if they had any questions uh if he had any questions, they didn't, then they, you know, Lester flicks his hand up and says, you know, no. Uh, so they, those two know what time it is um, in, in regards to this new, this new regime with this, you know, with this uh, Lieutenant taking over the MCU, MCU uh, quick scene, but what were your thoughts on it? 
Yeah, I mean this this yep, this is the beginning. Ross Ross has articulated his plan. Yes. He's the last episode of the episode before. So this is he's he's last enacting episode. his plan. No, yeah, this is this is the follow through uh of the yep. as his plan. Um so we go to Michael Naiman, Michael Naiman and Randy Dequan are going over their homeroom assignments. And uh seemingly none of them like their assignments in terms of the teachers that they do know. Uh one of them said, uh of course, Michael, they try to pronounce Pres Pres's name, they can't pronounce that. Uh Samson, of course, who is played, but who is uh what's the name's ex uh, Cuddy's ex-girlfriend. She's uh, uh Naiman says he hates her. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, just kind of a coming of age scene, you know, kind of took me back in terms of homeroom and, you know, looking at what teachers, like, you know, looking at what teachers you might be going to have and, and, and what have you. So there's a, a, you know, a freshness uh, to that first day of school. So I kind of thought about that when I was watching this particular scene. What were your thoughts? Yeah. So, just as Omar is a character that I got introduced in this, Bubs is a character that got introduced and in reintroduced. Bubs first time, Omar reintroduced, and Colvin um, reintroduced. The school system is now introduced into this. The for real school, like the the school. So it, the school system is a character in this season, and yeah. so this is the introduction of that of that character. Um, and so then that brings into play, play the questions, right? What role does the school, the neighborhood school, the school system, and people's interaction with it, what role does it play in creating the hardships that, that our boys are going to go through, the ultimate consequences they're going to have to go through, and um, the people that they are and are growing to be? What role does this school, more importantly, the, the institution and how people interact with the institution, what role does that have to play in all of that? All that. That's the big question now. And it's why, it's essentially why, this question is essentially why this is known as the education season. So we go back to Coven and the Deacon. So now, so Coven, of course, has, has quit his job at the hotel. And he he revisits the deacon, and the deacon basically basically says, Coven basically says, "Hey, I want fifty thousand, you know, a take home car benefits, and all this you know plush stuff that that he had in the previous job." The deacon basically said, "I, you know, the deacon basically said, you're lucky if you get thirty and a bus pass." So, you know, you. I guess the message was sent, you know, you, you want to, you, if you're trying to sacrifice for what you really want to do, there, there is going to come a sacrifice. If you try to do what you really are, are really should be doing, there's going to be a sacrifice for it. Um, what were your thoughts on this quick scene? Yeah, you named it. That was it. So we go to uh, Prez, Randy, Michael, and Duke, you name it. They enter school. Um, Donnelly, of course, the vice principal is waiting and she gives the you know kids all their respective assignments in regards to the grades. Uh, eighth grade upstairs, sixth grade on the was on the, the seventh grade was on the second floor. 
a sixth grade was on the second floor, seventh grade was on the third floor. Um, and um, so you had that, you had that going on, and then you see immediately uh Naaman who has a who has a bunch of jury on with a with a uh with a jersey on, immediately he gets checked by Donnelly. And then of course he during the scene you see Naaman um says the epigraph, says the epigraph, and uh says uh says the um says the epigraph as the boys enter school. And as we see Prez also in the scene, Prez is, you know, he gets, you know, we see him get uh get reintroduced as a teacher. Because you know he's of course he's no longer a cop. He's a he, so he's getting he's almost his character. This is almost a reintroduction to his character from a standpoint where he's at a place in, in his life in his career. Uh, so you can I guess we can add him to that list as well. Uh, he's yeah, struck, but we've been we've been reintroduced to him in his new path. Yeah, that's true. But this is his first. The other ones were that this is their first introduction. Yeah, yeah. This is but this is his first. This is his first day in class. <laughs> Uh, he's yeah, struggling. Yeah, he's, okay. He is struggling to even pass out the bus passes. Um, so, and Samson, he needs help from Samson, who clearly is the veteran teacher, and has control uh, and has a, a hold of things. She uh, she keeps keeps the kids from uh, leaving the classroom, and, and the right kids get the bus passes. Now, you want to ask the question: Why did he have trouble passing the bus passes? Out. Well, he had trouble passing the bus passes out because he had assigned seats for kids that he does for kids he hasn't even have he hasn't even established a relationship with. They sat in the seats. The kids, of course, sat in the I shouldn't even say the wrong seats, but sat in the seats that didn't match up with his assignment with with you know with ones he assigned. So the wrong kids got the bus passes. And uh, Samson, Miss Samson, had to come in and basically clean that situation up as they were let go early, um, before as they were let go early by uh, because the bell wasn't working. I just, I love this scene because it it just from a standpoint of and I should like <laughs> we all been there as educators that just just you know overwhelmed, you know, inexperience. Uh, and I'll go back to that first episode, our first episode of the season, when Donnelly said lambs to a slaughter. And at this right now, he is lambs. He is lamb. He's a lamb to a slaughter at this point. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, I had a couple of thoughts. Um, one was, what's the, what's the quote? What's the name of this quote? Say it again for me. The epigraph. It yeah, is, the epigraph. Thank you. It is, I love the first day, man. Everybody all friendly and shit. Yeah, and so I'll translate that. What Naaman's saying is nobody's had the opportunity to demonize you yet. And that that is essentially what I was talking about with like the characterization of, of um, boys of color and in the ways in which they operate, and particularly in the means in which they either have I don't even say that. The the means in which they they have been left at how to survive. But nobody asked the question, so you just demonize it. And Walmart is Walmart. Um HBO is HBO. Blah, 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 it's all that, right? 
Um, and but but everything that the the boys are doing and the people are doing it in the show are demonized. So that that quote is a direct reference. That that's Naaman's way of saying that. That's a direct reference of that. Um, the second thing is um, that uh, the the um, oh the dynamics have shifted for Prez, right? When you're a police and you're out there on the street, like when we saw Prez as a young police officer, same kind of situation, didn't know anything or whatever, you can overcome that with bravado. You can overcome that with just use of sheer force and brutality. The classroom is a different story. You cannot overcome those things with any of that. Um, And so um, it's flipped because Prez is no longer the expert of anything, no longer in control of anything. It's actually um, the uh, veteran black woman teacher who is the the de facto force. And she doesn't have to beat the shit out of anybody. She doesn't have to yell and scream and do all that. She just walks in and does her thing and gets people, gets people back in back in order. And so it's, a, it's also showing a different way to get people to do what you want. Uh, we know what's behind all of her moves to get that as educators, but he has no clue. To your point, Lance Slaughter, he doesn't know all the moves he needs to make. He has to unlearn every single thing he's ever done in order to make that happen. That's that's neither here nor there. That's my own personal point on that. Um, but uh, the dynamic and also, again, the wire, um, where it was at this point in time, not common to show a white man being emasculated by a black woman, essentially, meaning she came in in the power position and he totally was not in the power position and needed all of her help and all of her expertise. Not something you see, you see a lot, even today, to be honest with you. All right, I'm done. So we go to Herc and Voice. Um, Herc goes into Voice's office. Uh, they discuss, you know, her voice asks him about where he's at, you know, on the, uh, voice asks him about um, where he's at on the sergeant's list or why, you know, why he took the detail in the first place. Uh, and, you know, you see her talk about, you know, he was trying to make sergeant. He scored it high, but not high enough. Voice asks him, uh, you, know, what, you know, how high do you score? He tells him. And then immediately you see Royce uses, you know, he's the mayor, uh, make the call, make a call. And next thing you know, he's going to, you know, and that's going to lead to, of course, Herc being promoted, being promoted to sergeant. And the last part of that scene, uh, he says, Herc says something, you know, thanks, Herc, thanks, thanks, Royce. And Royce, this was the, you know, proverbial, so, you know, subliminal statement. Don't mention it, and that—that's how that particular scene wraps up. Uh, ended, um, and going back to the last episode, this—it happened. This happened exactly how Valchek said it was going to happen. So, yeah, Valchek, he kind of knows what he's talking about. Valchek is, you know, is you know, we talk about class and session. Valchek, well, Valchek is a, a, a expert teacher when it comes to the political games but it happened it happened exactly how Herc no how how he said it was going to happen uh, yeah what were your thoughts on this scene nope you named it that was it 
So we go back to class. Um, Prez is in class. And Prez and the rest of the class, you have a young lady named Shaquan who criticizes Daquan for the smelling, for how he's smelling. Um, and then you see uh, Prez. And I want, you know, remember the girl, remember that girl, Shaquan. Um, she'll be uh, vital in this episode. Um, she moves and sits in another seat. And then you have Prez trying to go over a math problem, uh, trying to go over a math problem in regards to uh, distance. I believe it's from traveling from Baltimore to Philadelphia. One of those problems is how, how many miles there's, you know, with, with the mileage in terms of uh, how long it would take if you travel this amount, many miles or how fast the cars or something like that, something to that extent. Um, you see the girl Shaquan flashing a light from her uh, watch on another student who just minding her business, wasn't doing anything. And the student jumps up. So they jump up. The student jumps up. They're about to fight. Uh, you see Prez, Prez get in the middle of it. Nothing, you know, nothing comes about it as far as the as far as the fight, as far as the fight. But the commotion is enough to where Randy, you see Randy dip out uh, without anybody noticing. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on this uh, on this particular scene? Um, this one, this one's set up. Truly set up. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously this is the setup of the episode. Yeah. Um, you get back to Marimo in the detail. So Marimo is going over, you know, has gone over the information in regards to Marlo. He is not impressed because we know they don't know this, but we know that Marlo has been hiding bodies, and there no, he's not dropping body, dropping a lot of bodies. They even had to admit that he hadn't dropped bodies since going back to the last season where in the Barksdale War. So Marimo is a straight company man. He's about the stats. He says, we're going to go out there and do street rips. We're not going to sit up here and, and take all these resources and put them into a dude in Marlo that is not dropping bodies. He says he's never seen anybody take up that amount of real estate without dropping uh, without dropping bodies. Um uh, without dropping bodies. So Marimo, again, speaking, this is speaking to what the system, system is in terms of not putting together, you know, great cases, but just going for street rips and stats. And he said that specifically. He said street rips and stats. Uh, yeah. On the scene. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That that's that that's that's the thing, right? Like the point of this was never to do good casework. Right. With him. He was sent in to destroy major crimes. So there's no, there was no nothing. They could have had Al Capone. <laughs> yeah, true. Like, like laid out with all the evidence and everything. His only purpose was to go in there and destroy that unit. That's what about that's what about saying. That's why um uh raw sentiment on behest, remember, on behest of Burrell, on, on behest of Royce. In order for Royce to win the election, that's what I'm saying. Like we, like we can't isolate these things. No, they're connected. there's no isolation. They're no. all connected. Everything is connected. So this doesn't have anything to do with street rips and stuff like that, which normally, like you're 100 right. Back in the day when they were talking about and everything, this was intentional. He's just using words as just say words because you need to say words in a sentence. 
Because you yeah. can't just come outright and say, like, just this squad, just go away. <laughs> Nobody wants this squad to exist. Um, but you're right. The fact that there are no numbers, I mean, there are no bodies, that there's no, there's no logical argument that the major crimes unit has to keep it going on Marlowe. No, I mean, there's no logic that they can bring back to his insanity. No, no. Um, and like I said, we like you know, like the show was saying, like you said, he was handpicked by Rawls, just like just like Daniels and Freeman handpicked the previous uh, lieutenant. And we saw we you know the complete opposites. Yeah, the only thing is that was about like I don't want to I don't want to relate those two because that one was actually about good casework. No, that's a different way to go about it. No, but it's go back. But nah, no, this isn't behest to what to Royce. That's the difference. Royce doesn't give a damn about any of this. He just wants to be mayor again. Yes. Burrell doesn't care about the major crimes unit. He just doesn't want the mayor to be mad at him. Yes, he wants to. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he just wants the mayor off his ass. Yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely that's the difference. Um, Freeman could like. Uh, Daniels can't promote Daniels can't promote anybody, but Daniels couldn't move Freeman into the pole position because Freeman doesn't have the rank. So there still had to be somebody effectively over uh, Freeman rank wise. But Daniels, of course, knows the good work that Freeman can do. That's the difference between those two situations. So we see uh, Randy. Of course, we know he dipped out of class. He has this has a, I, and I respect this hustle, man. He he, Randy goes to his locker. He changes shirts. He changes into the sixth grade shirt. He goes to sixth grade lunch and starts and selling and starts selling candy, uh, to sixth graders. Then we later see him selling them had with back on with his eighth grade shirt, selling uh candy and stuff, candy and what have you to eighth graders. So we see Randy. The businessman. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Yep. Randy the hustler. He got he got his little hustle. I did that hustle in school, so I know this one very well. Oh, you did. You, you did the changing of the shirts. Like, I mean, I didn't go to every lunch period, but um, but I had to discount candy and sold it at school gotcha. for my own little my own little funds. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so so I read that. Uh, just like you, I respect the hustle. I respect the hustle. And Randy's are the ones I have my eyes on. <laughs> Randy's mine. I got my eye on Randy. Because <laughs> even though I respect the hustle, you can't be going to everybody's lunch period, giving them candy, taking these kids. Who knows if the mom, anybody wants my Anyway, great scene showing him being a kid. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Giving us a little, of course, giving us that character detail. Couldn't we, couldn't we see couldn't, couldn't, couldn't we see Randy as a young Stringer Bell? Wouldn't it be like a Stringer Bell move? Stringer I Bell? need you to stop mythologizing Stringer Bell. I don't want Randy to be a Stringer Bell. How about that at all? So we go to um, Omar, Renato, and Andre. So Omar, uh, they rob a store. Uh, Omar uses... Uh, Classic Omar because he uses Ronaldo. Ronaldo, Ronaldo is a, is a student in this in this scene. He's a student in this scene because he initially was against it because Omar gave him gave him this little rinky dink gun 
that he knew that knew couldn't you know bust a grape in a fruit fight. But Omar says, "Trust me, it will play." So Ronaldo comes in the store, and Andre is like, "Look, don't you see this glass? What you know that little piece of shit is not going to do anything." So right. Ronaldo is he is he was the decoy and distracts he distracts Andre as Omar comes in with a cannon. And shoots, you know, shoots the glass, and then of course proceeds to rob Andre and get the get a stash and a pack of cigarettes on top of it. So, uh, fun scene. Uh, watching this is Omar. This is Apex Omar. Omar is at his peak right now in regards to what the peak of his powers in regards to um, where he's at, uh, where he's at, and he, you know, exclude executed a flawless plan. And uh, Rob's old face Andre. Uh, what are your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, there. I mean, yep. And and this every interaction with Omar in this is is it's it's it's, it's they're playing a long game. That's, I'll leave it at that. That's, that's the only thing I can say. They want you to think what you're thinking about Omar right now. Yes. Yes. It's, it's very intentional. No, no, it's, yeah. I mean, this is like I said, he's at. Uh, I said he's at his apex right now. He's, you know, this is, yeah, but he's flipping at the exact same time. But I can't get into it. You can't. Yeah, don't get into it. Don't get into it. Nope. Mm-mm. When it comes, will oh, I will okay. so, I will have so, the so, most okay. to say. So no. So here's here's what I'll say, and this is the part of the scene. So when they're in the truck, when he was in the truck with Renato, when they're in the truck and they're kind of they're kind of like iron out the last the details of it. Ronaldo says, Ronaldo says, what about the cameras? And Omar is like, um, are you, oh, Omar says, are you afraid to be made? He says, and then he said, Omar, then Omar says, I'm my, I am my own trademark. Yeah, he's ahead of his time. So, his own brand. His own brand, yes. Trademark brand, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. He says, he says in, in a sense, he said, I want, I want them to know it was me. That's what, trying, that's what he was saying. To Not me. in a sense. He said it. He said it, yes. So, I, yeah, from that, yeah, okay. That's I, what that whole opening was about. If yeah. you look at it, Omar's totally wrong. And this doesn't even have to go in there. Because he asked, he asked homeboy, he's like, I don't even want, like, what do I want this for? Like, the money? And he's like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, he's like, he's like, yeah, this is why we do this, right? And what Omar's talking about is rep. Um, and that a line. Uh, it's not what you take; it's who you taking it from. That was a line. Right, right, right. And we are a 20, 24 year old, twenty whatever. This is two thousand six, right? Twenty six year old me is like, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, a person who wants to envision their life beyond a certain point doesn't think that way, because that's a very finite thought process. Right. It's, it goes into the same thing. And it's the same. That's this is the commentary. It's the same mindset. Uh, I never expected to live past X amount of time. Right. Bodhi right. said that. Marlo says that. Everybody Avon says said that, that. Yeah, in the drug that. game, rap game, as we know, lyrics, everything like that. Yes. I'm not supposed to live past this age. Well. That's how a. Very. Um, I can only use this word subjugated people think. People in positions of authority and power, they're not thinking they're only going to live to 18, 14, 21, 25, well, 30. 
They think we, I want to live this entire lifespan. And so what I'm saying is, is that that's what Omar's talking about is rep. Um, but it's, it puts you in a position not to be ready. Yes. And then I will have to stop talking. Yep, yep. No, we, I mean, we are, we're on the same, yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah. We're on the same mm-hmm. page. Um, because the show is always playing a, a, a deeper game. Um, yeah, very, very long game. Yeah, yeah, now I thought about season five. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 So they're getting those wheels in motion. They're setting that up in yeah. season four. Yeah. No, without question. It will. I, I have to. I have. I have to trace this back to see when she wants to get to season five. This, this exact scene. And yes. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, because it'll, yeah, it, it definitely now, now it stands out. It stand, it, it really stands out now. Now I got you. I like honestly, like I'm be like in an honest moment here. This is one of the big motivating factors to doing this show. Is I've always wanted to connect season four and season five together, yeah. um, and particularly like moments like this. But I, but we nobody ever has get like talks about it like that. So. This was the opportunity to finally talk about things like that. So we go to uh, Prez back in class. He's still trying to get through his math problem. And before he can get through the math problem, the uh, the bell rings. And that, you know, is the seemingly the end of a rough first day. Yeah, just a normal it's, math class. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know rough. Yeah. First day for a first Nothing day. to see here. Yep. Just a normal rough day. We've all had them. Everybody's been there. we all been Go there. Go home, take a couple of Advil, <laughs> aspirin, and you go to sleep. Yep. It's a normal day. Nothing to see here. Nothing else is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. The funny thing about this scene is the fact that uh, no, it seemingly like, I shouldn't say nobody learned anything because we'll find out later that what that somebody did learn something, but uh, at that point in time, you would have thought that nobody learned anything in that in that particular class, and you would have thought that Prez was just going to walk out and never return again, per se. Not not that we believe that was going to happen, but just you know, he was he looked done. Um, he looked done at the end of that scene. Um, but you know, like I said, first day, but better days would be ahead. Um. Go back to Colvin and the deacon and this and this uh, academic that the deacon was telling Colvin about. Now they're looking for not they, but the academic is looking for eighteen to 21, 20, 21 year old violent offenders for uh, for research. And the deacon Colvin is already suspect about it. He says these guys at that age are are deep into the game, and deacon deacon basically saying, hey, well you know let let him know that. Um, you know, let him know that once you get involved. So what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts on on, on this uh on Coven's new venture? Yeah, this is set this is setting up. The I can't talk about this thing without the other thing. Nope. No, no. So Prez to get back to the classroom, Prez is cleaning up the classroom that you know seemingly has been has just a bunch of papers on the floor. And he he does notice that one student. One student did finish the problem and get the problem right. Yeah, so man. It wasn't. Gotta hang on to it. It's all for not. Yep. 
got to hang on to it. What many those first, that first year, just many just little tiny successes. That's just that's all you're gonna get. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, you just gotta hold on, hold on to them. That's all you're gonna have. Hold on to them tight. Yeah. And then, but no, but this, yeah. is the, this is the funny part. This is the funny part. Following that 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 scene or following that moment, he sees the paper and then he sees it. He sees on the desk. Fuck you, Presbo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, keep keep you balanced. Keep you, keep, yeah, keep you yeah. Um, so we get to Carchetti uh, and Norman. They go to the funeral of the murdered state's witness. We see Delica Watkins and Marla Daniels there. And as Carchetti, so Carchetti goes up to the to to the first. Of all, the, it was the mother. You had the mother, and then you had the guy with the mother, kind of consoling the mother. I don't know. I don't think he was a brother or something for her. His brother, I just think he was just somebody, friend of the family. Let's say, let's call him a friend of the family. So they appreciate Carchetti. The dude appreciates Carchetti for showing up. Then Carchetti says, sorry for your loss. And then he, he almost forgets, you know, that, you know, this is a, not forgets, but he goes, he almost goes into a tangent about the guy being the witness. And then he thankfully cuts himself off. And uh, just says, and as, as she has no clue, doesn't have a clue what he was talking about at that point. And he says, he finishes up saying, you know, sorry for your loss. And then you see him and Norm leave, Norman leave, and Carcetti refuses to talk to the press, take any pictures and what have you. And Norman kind of complains to him about it. He says, hey, you know, we'll, we'll, there'll be another time for that now. He's basically saying that now is not the time for uh for that uh for the for the headlines of the press uh lot going on in this scene uh what were your thoughts yeah you gotta remind me at the end of this scene do they finish out the conversation which conversation this scene it finishes out the conversation right between him and norman and then they leave or or it goes to the next scene right no because i had some there there some words Norman criticized. Is there him. another scene with them? Is there another scene with Carcetti and Norman? Uh, Carcetti, Norman, that's the funeral. Right. It's just, no, no, I'm just it's trying to make, make no, sure it's, it's the same thing. Okay, so no. so I'll, I'll, I'll pick up the language because it goes into my point. Um, and so uh, Norman says to him, he's like, as political theater goes, boss, this is pretty lame. Right. Um, and at the very end of the scene, um, not the, I mean, like directly after that, but it's the end of the scene, um, he goes, well, it depends on who your audience is. Remember what we said about Carcetti, and this is why the character moments are so important. You can't lose sight of them, right? Like, Carcetti is politically savvy. The way that they're presenting him is that he's like a political savant. Like, he just inherently knows when to make the necessary move, right? So you're right. He comes in uncomfortable. He does have the instincts before, and he's talking to Norman, if I do this, I'm just going to look just like another politician doing it, right? Royce is going to come. He's going to say his piece. Tony Gray's going to come. He's going to say his piece. Um, whoever else in the political, uh, 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 by, you know, all of them are going to come and they're going to say their piece, right? But none of them are coming because they're actually sorry for this loss. They actually feel this, this um, 
this mother's pain again. This was a fantastic scene because it really it really was good. Um, uh, and they, they don't really feel this mother's pain. None of them feel this mother's pain and is inter- interested in why her son lost their life. It is a political issue for everybody involved. And so Carcetti smartly knows that if he positions himself just along with them doing the same thing, he won't um, stand out from the rest of them. Right. And this is a moment he really wants to stand out with because his audience is Delegate Watkins, not the mom, not anybody else in there. His yeah, audience is Delegate Watkins. And so what he needs to do is come off as caring and sincere and all those different things, or at least willing to do things differently, which is what he recognizes in that moment. And so while... um while uh, his campaign manager is like political theory, like as political theater, this is bad because everybody knows what the game is. Everybody knows what the game is. Everybody knows why he's there. Everybody knows why Royce is Everybody knows why it's coming. Um, and uh, you even hear a little bit in the background, the journalists are like, so why'd you call us? They've been called to cover this for this exact reason. So that's why Norman's like, this is bad political theater because we've already made the call for y'all to come down. Um, and so you just walking out is just going to look crazy. Um, uh, but again, his audience is Delegate Watkins. His audience isn't the media, the mom, anybody else there. It's a one-person show he's putting on for. Very politically savvy. Yes. No, it was. No, it was. Disingenuous, heartless, disgusting, all those things, yes. No. But also very politically savvy. Oh, yes. Yes, there will be, there will be some payoff. Um, we go to go back to Colvin, the academic and uh, an inmate named Sean, who is 18 years old. So uh, you see the Carver brings in Sean. Sean is, uh, they bring him into the interrogation room. He, of course, is handcuffed to the table and the academic sits down uh, and starts taking notes. Immediately, Sean recognizes that Colvin is a cop and the academic is not. Uh, so he starts asking, Colvin starts asking questions about Sean and about his sister and says, you know, about Sean and his sister, says, you know, what would you do if somebody did something to your sister? And the guy says, I would, you know, get somebody to handle it. And Colvin keeps you know, just purposely asking these questions before Sean just snaps and basically, because he Sean, the guy warned the academic about writing, uh, about taking the notes, but you know, the dude kept taking notes and then he snapped, tried to jump out there, tried to take the pen away from, from the dude. And then you see Colvin, uh, you know, him, him showing up. And at, the academic at this point is out, is out of the room. Uh, he's ran, he ran out the room. And Colvin thanks the boy, thanks the young dude for being himself as he was trying to make a point that this dude was too old. Uh, and then the academic realizes, says, hey, I guess he was too old. I, I, rec- I recognize the fact that that uh, we may need to go younger and Carver and Colvin laugh at him. Um, Carver and Colvin laugh at him. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, sometimes the only way to get your point across is to have somebody experience it. Yes. Right. And so, like, he was using his word. I mean, he was saying it to the guy in the other scene. He was like, but he recognized 
COVID recognized that in order to get this point across, the guy needed to see it in action. He needed to see what it looked like. He needed to see the anger and the violence and all of the different things that are there um, to understand that uh, for the purposes of what they were looking for, it they would find more results uh, with starting younger. Yeah, yeah, and you know, <laughs> immediately that that you know the dude picked up on Kobe being a cop. He saw that. He read that from the you know from the time he walk he walks in the room. Um, so he you know you got this guy who you know just was was you know savvy. Uh, this this young boy you know was savvy savvy enough and you know to to pick up on that. And they just you know they wanted you. The writers, of course, wanted you to know that this guy had been. You know, he was he was 18 years old. He had been, you know, been street savvy and had been through it. I mean, he'd been through some stuff. Um, we go on to Daniels and Kima. Of course, Kima, we know the dynamic of the Kima and Daniels relationship. Kima goes to him, wanting out of the major crime unit. Daniels tells her, you know, don't come back to me in terms of uh, for a district. He says, that's, that's not, that's beneath you. If you're gonna go, you know, you're gonna go up. You say move up, don't go lateral. So she he tells her, you know, I'll see what I can do. Uh, he says, I'll see what I can do. So, um, you know, we know this cat. These characters have a lot have a lot of history from from the start. Um, where, from season one, what were your thoughts on this interaction? Yeah, this is actually how you do it. Like th- this is very sweet and very awesome. It's just an awesome scene and amazing to see um, because you felt this, this is definitely father, daughter, mentor, mentee, all the different things we talked about in last episode. Um, Daniels truly cares for her and he's truly giving her good advice. Um, in the wire, in television world, wire world, just good or in the real world. That's great advice that he gave her. Um, and so um, he's, he, he can't, like this is the example of somebody truly caring for somebody and wanting the best for them and trying to support them in that. Kima's coming and asking something that would be totally beneficial to Daniel, totally I, beneficial I, to him. Yes, if she if she joined, but his, he yes. cares about her more. Yeah, and wants the best for her, yeah. and gives her advice, and then does actual steps to make it a reality for her. Right. Um, that's how it goes. Yeah, no, he in juxtaposition to Bodie and Michael's conversation. Absolutely, not how it goes. The polar opposite. Yes, is <laughs> the yeah. exact opposite. Like I'm, like yeah, Bodie. I don't, you know, Bodie. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about no, no, you. We don't, we don't have to re-adjudicate. Yeah, I just say, yeah, Daniel's Daniel's cares. Daniel cares about it. He yeah. cares, and it's showing how he cares. Yes. Um. So we go to free, Rawls and Freeman. Um, Freeman, of course, recognizes that Rawls, what Rawls was doing with uh, Marimo, says, you know, you're going to gut us from the inside out. Uh, doesn't want to go back. Of course, not going to go back to the MCU, uh, to uh, Major Crimes Unit. Rawls, during the scene, does acknowledge 
uh, Freeman's work and says, you, you know, in spite of all, in spite of everything, you're a hell of an investigator. And he um, sends him back to homicide. He goes back to, he, uh, Freeman asks to go back to homicide. Rawls grants that request and says, consider this to be a favor. Uh, considers to be a favor. Um, what were your thoughts? Uh, I also, Freeman was like, to send somebody in, I didn't expect that. He's like, well, like, like it was a well played. So both of them were acknowledging both yes. of their skills, yes, yes, um, in their in their variety in their in their different capacities. Um, that's that was my only point. Otherwise, it's you know setting up. Uh, so you see, Colvin and the guy, the uh, the doctor, uh, his ac- the academic, go into the middle school and immediately see kids kind of running around, um, but. You know, we know that this, you know, that this is more, this is the the group that that Coven, what is more is uh, wanted to target, and thinks that they can be more successful at uh, in the middle school, uh, in the middle school as they go to, uh, you know, to, as they go to Tillman Middle School, and again we see kids running around being being middle schoolers for that matter. Quick scene, yep. quick scene. But what were your thoughts? Yeah. Yep, running around being middle schoolers. Nice setup scene. Uh, we go to Daniels and Ross. So um, Ross basically is, you know, in his is gleeingly telling Daniels that the major crime major crime unit major crime unit is a rat. Uh, tells him about Marimo. Uh Daniels, of course, you know, doesn't like that because he, you know, he built that unit. And he just asked for a favor, asked Rawls for a favor uh, in terms of in terms of the ha- helping helping Greg's land on her feet. And Rawls obliges and says, "Who die? Who die? Who? Who is it now that I don't like?" So, <laughs> so, so Rawls says, "You know, we that vacancy have been filled by Freeman, but now, you know, I, I now Rawls is willing is willing to take somebody else out." of their place to replace them with Greg's for Daniels. Now, again, he's not doing this because he likes Daniels. This is, this is politic and too, and this is, you know, this is the kind of, this is not who, Rawls is not, you know, Rawls isn't, he doesn't like Daniels. He's just, it's, it's just more about, um, how do you view it? Cause I, I was curious to view, view it, of why he did that for Daniels. Why, why do you think he did yeah. that? Yeah, I mean it's it's a curious it's a curious position to be in, right? Like in terms of like Daniels, like the the size of almost flipped, right? So it's like it's it's I think a tacit admission, which means just kind of like a subtle admission, um, and of course played for the I mean like the, they're they're setting this up. Um, uh, the writers are, but just talk about the characters. It's the tacit admission by um, by uh, Rawls that Daniel Starr is rising, right? And that this is somebody that he's going to need to curry favor with. Yeah. We know the currency of the department because they've shown it to us so many times. The currency of this department um, is favors. Is you do me a favor. What, what was the word? Remember, quid pro quo. Yeah. 
2020. Oh man, 2020. Uh, so, so, uh, so you do me a favor. You scratch my back. I scratch yours. Yes. But Ross will only do that with people who he believes can pay him back one day, do something for him. He's not going to do even extend something like that if there's nothing. If there's nothing to gain now. No, he, so to your point, he yes. So. Now, right. so he, if that's why I said it's a tacit admission, which means um, Daniels isn't at the point where he can give Rawls a favor right now, right? Like he's not that high up. No, Rawls still outranks him by right. a lot. Right, yeah. um, so he's not that high up, but it, it's acknowledgement. Like, yeah, I see you. You're rising. You might be somebody that that I can um, have spend some currency with. But on top, not but, but like what Daniels did was give Kima another outlet but didn't help himself. Um, what Rawls does know is that these are no bums that are coming to him. No, he's this getting is not quality, yes, the bottom of the barrel. So he, but see, that's what I'm saying, the skill of what is going on, right? Like, this is how it works. This is how it works. He is currying favor with Daniels Meaning he did gave Daniels a good turn, so now Daniels will owe him down the road, kind of good got by the move, right? Um, it may come, it may not come, but the time when the time does come, where I need a favor from you, you're going to give it to me because I did this. So in, and uh, and he gets two great detectives yes, for his in, homicide squad. In Raw's mind, yes, in Raw's mind, is a win-win. It's a win-win. So no, this is how you play the game. They're showing you, like they're now, the wire's showing you how the sausage is made. It's showing you how this whole thing goes. How does one get from a, a uh, 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 um, beat cop to top of the totem pole? They're showing you. How does a councilman get to be mayor? They're showing you, yes. right? How does a lowly... Um, uh, uh, not lowly. How does so and so become an Omar? How does so and so become a Bubs? How does so and so, you know, they're, they're showing you the process every step of the way. It's up to us as the viewers to pay attention. Yeah, I mean, in Raw's eyes, this was, this was a win win for him. Getting two great detectives and, like you said, a favor in his back pocket from a guy who, who, start, who he believes will have value in the future. Um, so we get to, uh, the final scene, um, get back to the classroom and this, this is what, what I was joking around. Just an average day. I forgot we hadn't got here yet. Yeah. No, this, this but yeah, turns out this, yeah, this was just a normal day. Presence, yeah. President's day was not over. This is part of the same day. So pre- I, I need to correct myself on that. President was just cleaning up his classroom in between classes. So he he hadn't seen for the next period class for the next period yeah he hadn't seen anything yet so Prez is teaching and you get back to the girl Shaquan Shaquan is the girl who insulted Dookie with the comments about his clothes and how he was smelling uh, she's sitting in the back now remind mind you at this point she's you know there she's minding her own business but the other girl. Leticia, Leticia, I think that was her name, uh, 
has a long has a long memory to say the least. And she said, Leticia says something, stands says something to her. And Shuan Shaquan stands up. Leticia slices Shaquan slices Shaquan with a box cutter, cuts her face, cuts her face, cuts her face wide open. He falls to the ground. Uh, Miss Sampson comes in immediately and takes control of the situation. Disarms Leticia, smacks her, and immediately calls for a student to get tells the student to go call the nurse and uh, to go call the nurse and what have you and. Um, Duquan puts a mini fan, a hand fan that, by the way, and I should have mentioned this earlier, that he has spent the whole entire episode fixing. He picked it up earlier in the episode off the street and basically, like I said, spent the entire episode fixing it. Now he's fixing it. So he fans the girl, not the girl who got sliced, but he fans the girl who did the one who did the slicing um, as she is at this point despondent. And he puts the fan, he fans her, then he puts the fan by her to uh, buy her and backs away. Uh, the thing that jumped out to me about the scene, I, again, I cannot fully flush this scene out until the next episode because the, actually the saddest part about the scene will come with more information about the girl in the next episode. But the thing about the scene that jumped out to mo jumped out to me the most in in a in another a, a another viewing was the reaction from Michael, which wasn't wasn't which wasn't a reaction. Like everybody in the class jumped up, yelled. Michael sat still and was stoic, and I that that to me more than anything that happened in the scene stood out the most. Uh, what were your thoughts? <laughs> um. I was going to go in a very specific direction. I'm going to get there, but uh, <laughs> your words just like destroyed my heart, Sorrell, because I had never noticed that ever and didn't notice it this time. On the camera, no, the camera. I've always wondered. I was like, where did Dookie get that? Fan? Like, where's that fan coming from at the oh, end of the episode? Oh, always. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Where did this fan come from? Where yeah. did he have it? I never noticed that. And that's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It destroys me emotionally inside, knowing this character, knowing everything. Like, like I'm, I'm pulling all the like. Nah, I'm not doing that right now. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but I know this character's journey, right. and that's heartbreaking to goodbye to figure that out right now in this moment. Um, wow. Anyways, uh, so the the point that I would, would have, this show is really good. Um, the point that this is why I said, this is literally a perfect season. It's perfect in every, every aspect. Um, and, so, uh, and so the point that I was thinking about before that um, was that uh, was that we need to have a conversation about trauma. Now's the time, now's the time to do this. Now, now's the time to have this conversation. Right. Um, uh, and and it's like, now I don't even need to be specific about what's going on. I just want to have a conversation about trauma because that's what plays in not only to this scene, but plays into everything and everything that they're talking about and will be talking about there. Um, we know this very well. Anybody that's listening to this in 2020, 2021 knows this very well. We're going through a national trauma and it just keeps happening over and over and over and over again. I'm in a variety of different ways and it sucks. Um, and it makes you angry and sad and depressed, all these different things all the time. Um, this is what this girl is going through, quite obviously, without even having to know anything. Um, now the entire world has a relatable, relatable point. I used to have to pull in other people's stories and different things. Like now, I don't even have to do that. Just look at what's going on, and you know what trauma is. 
and you know how it makes you feel. So um, I used to have to be really con- uh, careful with how I talked about this in the conversations and who I had this conversation with because like me and you can have this conversation and we can have it in a variety of different ways and we can even have it in a way that looks like joking, but we can have it in that way because we know what that girl is going through. We've experienced it either ourselves or through others and have had to deal with all the ramifications of it. Other people would have, or in the past, looked at this as just like a violent black girl. And I had a problem with those conversations and would not engage in them, as a matter of fact, um, which is why I had to be careful. But now, since everybody understands what trauma is, going through a national trauma, I can always just relate it it to that. This has nothing to do with the angry black girl in there. I was going to ask you, um, just me and you talking, as the, I don't even want to give out specific positions or specific schools, anything like that. But from the seat that we sit in and you were like, this was like a video you were looking at. What would you say was, um, uh, 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 uh biggest mistake. This is high level stuff. This is not anything he would know. So, I'm not even saying like, okay, this is something he should know. But me and you have done this so many times. What what would you have pointed out to him? You not, I mean, mistake is a word. We would have young. We would use. I probably would use. I definitely would not use that with a young teacher or a pre, you know a freshman teacher. Um, but what would have been that you would have pointed out to him? So what could he done differently? I there, there are a number of things, but I yeah, think, keep, just listen. Go ahead. So I'm going to go back to not even this particular class period, to the earlier class period when they were about to square off, okay? Mm -hmm. So they're about to square off. That situation never got rectified at all. Nope. So so two students are about to fight in your class, and you just go along like, oh, this is a part of the system, part of the game. You cannot do that shit because that shit is going to come back. You can't do it always. Always. So at that point, it always comes back. We've seen this. We, me and you, always seen comes in 20 back. years. We've seen this. Always time. comes back. Always going to come back. Death taxes and them kids not letting yes. go of that no, anger. No, yeah, certain. For no. certain. For so certain. At that point, yep. when they were about to square off, if you're president, yep. you don't care if you get cursed out, what have you, you deal nope. with that shit and be like, look, we're going to yep. have, have this conversation. We're going to talk it yep. out. What's your problem with her? What's your problem with her? And then, it, yep. and then the shit still may pop off, but at least, yep. at least you have put, in, at least you have invested. First of all, you have invested some time yep. in developing a relationship and getting to know. Yep. Maybe the girl with trauma comes out and said and explains mm-hmm. what's going on. Maybe yep. I don't know. Yep. But, yep. He, but that, as soon as as soon as that first fight happened or the near fight happened you you knew this wasn't going even with even the first viewing you're like oh this shit is not over with you know you, you knew as a as an educator like nah this not when they came back to this scene when they came back to the scene the second time like nah this you know this this this, this was not going in well i didn't i didn't anticipate her slashing her I, I, when i first saw it i didn't anticipate that but when, they first, not. when they first fought or when they first was about to fight and he didn't handle it at all i was like like no yeah like, nah, it's not. Yep. Nope. Yep. That's it. That's that's the whole, that's the answer. That's, of course, that's the answer. It's the whole show. I mean, and if you don't know this, then you don't know it. You, it, don't, it, know it. you just don't know it. Don't and know. only, this is one of those, that's why I said, this is a high, I wouldn't even expect, I wouldn't even, 
expect this of a new of a new teacher freshman anything like that um this is a, this is a higher level skill um yes that he because, doesn't have point that he no, no 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 this is a higher level skill because even even i didn't catch all the intricacies my first few viewings of this i had to develop in my skill set to really identify the piece um and so you're 1,000% right. And the only thing that I would add on to that is at the very least by having a conversation with the two in order to work it out, you at least show you care. Care, yes. And yep. give a momentary pause. You're yep. absolutely right. Will that stop it? Probably not. You probably need more interventions and stuff like that in there. And, you know, I'm not going to go into the weeds on it. But at the very least, you show that you care. Yep. But what you cannot do what you may never do is not addressing. <laughs> that no, no, that's never. I, that, I, and yeah, I, I can't fully flush this girl out because, from the standpoint, of, I, I I can't. I have to wait to the next episode because we gonna we gonna we're gonna get yeah we're gonna get to her story in the next episode. It'll be it'll be fully flushed out. Her the girl who got not the girl who got slashed, but the girl who did the slashing. We'll, we'll talk. They'll talk right. more about her in the next episode. But you know it. If you're present loose, you know, again, it it, it began. There's, there's a reason why the first episode that, and I'll keep going back to that to that epigraph, lambs to a slaughter. Presbylewski is not even really supposed to be in there. He's he's an ex-cop who with no teaching experience. That is a I'm not gonna do that. I mean, I, like you you know how this goes. Yeah, you know, I know how, how this goes. goes. I know, I know, um, and like, so and so like I get it. I mean, we we've both had plenty of jokes on this in a variety of different situations, which I won't be specific about. And so you know I get it. You know I get it. Um, But you also know where this show is going. Yes. Yeah. And so I want you to think about that in terms of the commentary that they're making, right? And this is coming from Ed Burns' specific experience. What I will 1000% agree with you that's inherent in that lands to the slaughter um, portion of it um, was that uh, there are, and, they, and this is the relation to the what they're saying about the police department in Baltimore at that time, um, what they're saying is, how are these young people trained? Right. That's the essential question. And by, I mean, young people, you know what I mean, young people to the profession. They don't have to physically be young, but right. new to a profession. Profession, yes. yes. How are they trained? What does that look like? And you're absolutely right. They're all lambs to the slaughter in that eye. So the Michael aspect of this, and the reason why I point out the Michael Michael's reaction or lack thereof from that standpoint is that is is something to keep in mind for the entire season as as you see his character develop and develop over the course of the season, but it also speaks to the thoughts of what could what could this kid possibly have dealt with that would render him not to, to not even respond to react to something like that. So that's why the Michael reaction really jumped out uh, this time when he didn't uh, jumped out. Like what you know, what I'm saying so. Keep you know, you know, for the audience, definitely keep that in mind. Put you know, you know, put that, put that in your in your back pocket from that standpoint. 
And, you know, as far as, you know, as far as their scene goes, um, everybody in that classroom, not everybody in the classroom is a victim. Everybody, everybody, person, of course, got slashed. The girl who has the trauma and the, the class who had the class, the, the entire class who had to witness that. Everybody in that scene and the teacher and Prez, Prez as well, seeing that, you know, your first. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody, everybody in there is a victim. Everybody. So that that to me that that was you know that was again one of one of the most one of the more powerful scenes uh uh in uh in the shows you know in of the season uh without without you know in, in one of the one of the more shocking even to even when I was watching today I was like damn I like damn I like I I've seen this before but it still still kind of caught me off guard just how quick it happened uh, and you know just how you know how it happened and how it went down. Um, so yeah, that, that was, uh, and that of course ended, uh, ended the episode. Um, but, uh, you know, we see in this episode again, um, in terms of our themes, we had everybody wants Michael. That's going to be a major theme throughout the course of the season. As we see, we see the beginning of the recruitment of, of Michael Lee by Bodie, Marlo having his eyes on him. And of course, class in session. And again, there was a lot of teaching going on throughout the streets, throughout the throughout the the, the pot with the politics, and definitely within uh, the classroom. And you know, we had some characters, you know, you know, in this you know, we had some characters. Um, you know, we look at Omar. We look at Miss. We look at Miss Sampson. We, we look at Omar. We look at a Raws. We look at you know those characters who know the game, who are in their in ways master teachers uh, of this, versus characters like Prez, or say you know Ronaldo, who are kind of learning it, trying to pick it up, and, and they are different. They are certainly at a different stage than their, than their uh, mentor. So, a lot going on with in regards to that in terms of the themes. Um, in regards to the MVP, who was your MVP? Uh, this this is another one where it was fairly tricky to pick an MVP. Um, but I, I think if like if if I had to go uh, one place specifically, it'd probably be Bodie. Um, I think I think that was a very big stand for his character. Because remember where we met Bodie. When we met Bodie, he was pining over Stringer. Right. Um, and now, many years later, we're looking at him being like, nah, I'm going to stand on my own. That's, that's, that's big time. That's big time. Uh, so Bodie would be my MVP, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Oh, wait, no. Your MVP time. Yeah, my MVP, I had Coleman as the MVP. Um, that's a good one. I again that scene he had where yeah. he does yeah. you know, where he recognizes that this is not this ho- this hotel security thing is not for me. Uh, you know, identifying you know the violent offender, you know, is so his savvy with that. Um, and we see, you know, we kind of see his imprints throughout the course uh, of this episode, even though he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in that many scenes, he still wasn't enough to I thought he had a to have a major impact. On uh, on what was going on uh, uh, in this uh, particular episode, 
uh, who was your starting? Yeah, so um, I really, really want to go and look at that uh, <laughs> Duquan scene again. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have a sneaking suspicion that would be my Chardin now. But um, since I didn't catch it uh, in real time, um, then the thing that I had, the original Chardin award was um, between uh, uh, <laughs> I think I want to give Bodie everything this episode. Um, it would be the, uh, I, I was going to share it with uh, Bodie and um, and uh, Slim, Slim Charles. That scene between those two was so powerful. So I'll give my Chardin to Slim Charles. Yeah. Because I gave Bodie the MVP. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give before I so give. My, I want to give back to that to that last scene with uh with Dukan sharing the fan, the, or sharing the fan with a girl. That's such a powerful moment. And well, the big thing, the big thing about sorry, um, the really big thing that you it just, I mean, because I'm just now realizing all of this, um, for the first time, which is crazy, um, but the big thing that hit me from what you said was that he had found it earlier and have been working on it all day and so just like you know that's always the thing with the now this is just me talking i just got it that's always the thing with daquan his potential that's always it's the gut-wrenching heartbreaking you know it's why we do this me and you it's why we do this because we believe in kids and them having the best opportunities whatever the opportunity is but just it's yeah, them them having the weeds cleared out enough so that they can walk the path that is meant for them. Um, and so that is always what's devastating about Duquan. And that was such a mini moment in that I wish I'd caught that. <laughs> I wish I'd caught it's, that throughout the year. It's such a Yeah, that's a lot to handle right now. That's a lot to handle in 2021. I problem. needed that realization in a much less stressful year. Yeah, no, yeah, well, yeah, 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 exactly. It's a powerful moment from the standpoint of this kid was picked on, you know, has been picked on, called, you know, stinking. And it's, we know, you know, we, we get a we got a sense of his situation, but yet he has a, has the, the heart to attend to somebody who he feels like is in need of some help. So that to me really, it, it stands out. It stands out even much more now. I'm thinking about it now. Like this dude has really, he has no reason whatsoever to help anybody the way he gets shit, the way he gets shit on up until this point. We've seen Duquan. Honestly, it's not even really help, right? Like a fan on her isn't like giving her anything. No, it's but not. It's just it's the to thought. your point. Yeah, no, no, no. To your point, we're, we're all on the same. None of this is that everything. To your point, it's just that man. It's just like that caring. Right. Yes. It's caring. Yes. Yes, um, that that nurturing person, so to speak. Yeah, yep. Perfect word. Perfect word. So yeah, no, it, that 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 was a it was just a tremendous scene and another yeah, you know, a, number, a, a number of things happening in that moment in that scene. I mean, you have Samson come in in a in a crisis situation and immediately take control and do do everything that Prez everything that Prez didn't do. Samson did do like how she disarmed the girl, said call you know, just yeah. soon to call the cops or not a cops, but call the uh, yeah. uh whatever, and just you know, immediately brings uh, a sense of stability to that 
chaotic and, and just traumatic situation. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a number of things going on, you know, with Michael. It, like I said, that, that scene is a whole lot to unpack. Well, demystify that. Surreal, how did she do that? It's not just the power of her no, no, beauty no, that, that, that made that happen. That is established. I demystify it for the audience. That you is, know? you know how she did that. Samson, that is established over years and years of building relationships, developing. There you go. Showing the there you who go. she is. That that no, you don't just mm-hmm. pop up and do that shit. That's mm-hmm. not, that's you know. That, but it's important to say that though. People yes. think it's magic. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And the reason why, because it connects with the deeper meaning of this season. Right. How she gets those kids to respond to her is the whole show, as we know. It's the whole show. And it means a lot to this, what they're saying this season. No, no question about so, it. So, you know, nothing happens in the wire by accident. Not, no, no, not at all. They're not just showing those scenes so to give this actress something to do. They're saying something with it. No, yeah, that's, but because a lot of people aren't educators, they might not automatically understand what they're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, this again, this is a like you said, this is a it's you a know perfect, what perfect season. <laughs> it's a perfect season. But I, 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 can I give uh, can I give a co Chardine now? Sure, because she's got to get it. Yeah, oh girl. Yeah, you talking about she's got to get Samson, it, right? Samson, yeah, Samson could definitely yes. be for a co. So I'm going if if I can't call it, then she'll just get it. Cause sure. now no, thinking sure. about it, I'm like, yeah, she sure. did all of that in her just like that little bit of time. Yeah, she commanded sure. all of that and yes. said all those things. Yeah. So I'm, that's that's my new sharding. <laughs> just no, this guy. I, I'm I getting all types of new revelations of I, episode I, I, three I, I, I can, today, I, but I, it's fantastic. I can tell this you. Is why the wire is so good? I love this. Yeah, the my sharding I had. Uh, Actually, had Omar had Omar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't doesn't get more sharding than that opening. Sorry. Yeah, that opening was ridiculous. Yeah, that opening. Is yeah, ridiculous. keep going, keep going. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Opening, sorry. Though, that opening is yeah. That opening is everything because yep. it, just, it gives. Because what happens is this is what happens. You think you got. We watched this season. Okay, up until this point, right you watch three seasons of this show and you think you have a handle on a guy on somebody like Omar. You think we think you know everything about Omar and then we get another layer of what of what Omar is all about. So that scene, you know, he says he's doing it for the reputation. He doesn't want to he doesn't want he doesn't he wants it he is in it for the thrill. He's in it for the thrill. Like he's not it's not just about the money. It's about it's about the reputation, and he almost wants it to be hard. Like he almost wants it to be difficult. Like so, it's like it's like going back to season three. He could have been he could have went for the easy money all the time and robbed and got hit pop Joe. No, I need to take down. I, obviously, there were personal reasons why he wanted wanted the Barksdales, but also the Barksdales were were the big by far and away the big. You know the big fish, the bigger, the bigger of the challenge. Avon was the, you know, was the man when it comes to that. He was, he was a more difficult, um, more difficult guy, more difficult person to rob. So Omar needs a challenge. Omar needs needs a challenge, and that, you know, again, that told you, it, it gave you another sense of, of, of what Omar 
is uh is all about. So that's why I love that particular uh that opening is everything. And then you you go to him teaching this dude, you know, he brings along the, you know the, his new lover and he's teaching you know teaching him the game with with you know with showing basically showing you showing him how to rob a place and the ABCs in terms of that the, the patience and, and and what have you. So again, the, the teaching, you know, the class, you know, all you know, the education that he's he was educating. So. Yeah, this episode actually, yeah, I, this episode is, you know, um, ranked 35. It definitely, I could, you know, we could make a case for it to be higher, but 35 was a good place uh, for this particular episode. I can understand why Vulture had it because it definitely, uh, it definitely was a great introduction to the classroom and, and things and, and things to that nation. Again, there will be there will be a number of lessons throughout the course of uh, this season. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast, The Wire Remix. We will be back. Uh, you will hear from me later on in this uh, later on this week in regards to the sports. Plenty of that going around uh, to talk about. As always, thanks to Rob Sat. Thank you, sir. All right, sir. Appreciate you. Everybody be safe, be healthy, and go Bills. Yep, go Bills. You can say that for another week. Go Bills. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Like always, I thank, thank, thanks to Robert Sapp for joining the program. Uh, I will be back with you uh, tomorrow. Uh, we're going to drop an episode uh, in regards to what transpired this weekend and you know, national championship tonight with Alabama, Ohio State. Might be probably going on as we speak. Uh, so we'll talk about that. But as always, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, I will see you next time. Have a great rest of the evening.